Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. I hope everyone has had a good week. <clears throat> it was a busy week for our family. Our kids wrapped up swimming lessons this week. They passed, they passed the flying colors, so it was good. It was good. Shree is unfortunately not up with me this morning. Uh, she's in tend caring for the youngest of our church. Um, but I'm going to continue our, our series that we've started the last few weeks about living a spirit-led life. So we started two weeks ago, and um, Shri and I shared just kind of some, some grounding moments for what it truly means to live a spirit-filled or a spirit-led life. And we we shared that in order to live a spirit-led life, you first need to be filled with the spirit. And then last week we talked about living a spirit-led life in our relationships. What does it mean to live a spirit-led life in our relationships? And we talked about a lot of things, but what we what we honed in on was in our relationships, if we want to live a spirit-led life, we first need to serve and have a heart of service for those that are around us. So this week, I'm going to continue that. Um, we're going to continue to talk through what it means to have uh, spirit-led life in, our, in, in families, in marriages, in uh, you know, continuing down that vein. And in fact, that's what I thought we were going to be talking about today. And then uh, later in the week, the Lord put this word on my heart that I want to share. So um, it's still very much in the same vein. But today we're going to talk about something that we don't talk a lot about in churches, and that's conflict. How we navigate conflict in, uh, in a spirit-led life. So let me start with a question. How many of you know someone who likes to argue? I do. They like to argue. They get excited when they get to debate or challenge you or challenge your perspective. I'm sure we all have somebody that maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your spouse, whoever it may be. Uh, they like to argue. They get excited when they get to challenge your opinion and get to have debate, uh, especially in today's day and age. There's so many keyboard warriors out there that can tell you their opinion in 160 characters or less uh, that we have created and cultivated this culture uh, where it's totally okay to share whatever you want and to disagree and yell at somebody whenever you want, regardless of the outcomes. Because if somebody can't see you, you're behind a screen, what does it matter? So today I want to talk about, A, what is conflict? And B, how are we as Christians supposed to approach conflict? Similarly, for, I'm asking a similar question to the one I started with. How many of you dislike conflict? I think most of us don't like conflict. We run away from it. But I want today to show sometimes in the Word and use Jesus as our example when conflict is actually a good thing. And I know that, that those two don't usually go hand in hand, um, but I want to show some examples of when 
conflict is good. But first, I want to start with a story. So last night, uh, my hometown, it's the Pierce County Fair this week. Uh, I swear it gets smaller and smaller every year. Maybe I just get older and it just seems smaller and smaller. But we went, uh, we went and spent some time there. Last night, though, uh, the main event at the Pierce County Fair is the Demolition Derby. So it's uh, a three-hour event where you sit and watch cars smash into each other. Yes. Literally the definition of conflict. Two forces running head-on, meeting each other. Uh, and while it was a lot of fun to watch, they had a van heat, so they had 15 minivans that were crashing into each other. I might have texted Cherie midway through, like, I entered our minivan. I didn't. Uh, but it was a ton of fun. But it was, it was also, like, I, w- I was realizing as I was watching this, you know, and most of the drivers are really good sports. They shake hands when they're done. But you start with this car that some are more pretty than others. Others are, are pretty dirty. And then as, as the time goes on, the cars get worse and worse and worse. And most of the time, the reason somebody has to get out of the, out of the competition is because their radiator blows up or something happens to their car and they have to break their stick and then they're done, they're done, with, the, uh, done with the event. And how many times in our life do we have situations that are just that same way? A conversation that starts out with somebody that is, you know, everything is fine. And then as you meet up with them, you collide with them, over time, things start to fall apart. Things start to break apart. Conflict. Conflict. It's never fun. It's never easy. But sometimes it's necessary. And I want to, we're we're talking about living a spirit-led life. So first, I want to explain where this idea or where this purpose of arguing comes from. Arguing comes only from the flesh. When you want to argue with someone, it's because you have to be right. I have to win. Your flesh craves that. It craves the desire to be right and to win every single argument. I don't think that's why I could be a politician. I don't think I could get up there and have a debate with somebody if I was like, but you're wrong. You're wrong. Even if that person is wrong, when you want to argue, that comes from your flesh. Your flesh is saying, I want to win. I want to be right. When Shree and I first got married, we had all of the prototypical first-year arguments, first-year marriage arguments. The toothpaste, everyone knows the toothpaste argument, right? Whether you squeeze from the, the toothpaste from the middle of the tube or from the bottom of the tube. Anybody heard that? Right? We had that argument. Because Shree was a bottom, a bottom toothpaste pusher. I was a middle toothpaste. And neither of us had lived with anybody other than our families our entire life. So we had that. We wanted to argue, and I had to prove myself right. And over the course of the last 13 years, a lot of those things have gone away. We have learned that it's not necessarily okay to argue. Yet, there are still moments when I can feel my flesh going, oh, I want to be right, I want to win, and I have to say no to that. So, let us ground ourselves. So, our flesh likes to argue, and I want to start there. But let us ground ourselves in the Word, um, and turn with me to 2 Timothy Chapter 2, we're going to read verses 23 through 25. Tell me when you find it, Graham. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 23 through 25. And this ties back into our flesh wanting to win. Chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. <clears throat> it says, Stay away from all the foolish arguments of the immature, for these disputes will only generate more conflict. For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative, but gentle toward all and skilled in helping others see the truth, having great patience toward the immature. Then with meekness you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. So in the same vein of internet arguments, uh, social media is really good, especially around November every two years of telling people and people getting into arguments uh, there's something that happens the beginning of November that causes people to get heightened. Um, how many times, and I don't need a show of hands, but just internally, have you either responded or wanted to respond to somebody or to something that somebody has posted on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media platform you want? I know I have. I'm, you'll scroll through and be like, I don't disagree with that at all. You type out this long response, and before you hit send, you hear the Holy Spirit go, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Still, sometimes you hit send, and then you instantly regret hitting send. Um, <clears throat> and it's so true. We want to engage when we see things that we disagree with. Yet, this, this passage of Scripture outlines exactly what we should do. Stay away from all the foolish arguments of the immature. Stay away from it. Why? Because it's not fruitful. What are you going to get arguing with somebody on social media or on, in the gas station or wherever it may be at work about politics? What are you going to gain out of that? You're, you're probably not going to change their mind. If anything, it's going to drive a wedge further and further between you and that person. Now, I'm not saying to stand up for what you believe. That's not what I'm saying. Because I think there are definitely times in our lives that it's important to stand up for what we believe. But when it comes to conflict, and tying it back to what we've talked about in the last few weeks, it's very critical that in those situations you are led by the Spirit when you should and shouldn't engage. Let's say you're at a family dinner on a holiday. The last thing that you want to talk about of those is politics. Unless everyone in your family maybe has the same worldview and agrees with you. But if not, usually around the Thanksgiving dinner table, there's some interesting conversations if politics comes up. Anybody ever been a part of those? I know I have. Where you're like, you're just like squirming on the inside. Get me out of here. Because you know and you can sense that this conversation is not fruitful. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to be resolved by the time that you leave. The other person's going to leave and they're going to feel the same way that they did when they came. And you're going to leave feeling the same way that, that you did when they came. The only person that can change that person's mind 
is Jesus. You are not going to change their mind. You are not going to change their mind. So stop trying to think that you're going to change their mind and just show them love. Having great patience. Patience. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. There's some people that want to argue about every issue. They're like a, gang, a clanging cymbal. Nobody hears them because all they hear is what they disagree with. You're just asking to engage. Now again, I'm not saying that there are times and places where you're not going to have to stand up for what you believe in. There's going to be plenty of those times. But you shouldn't do that out of your flesh. You should never engage out of your flesh. You should always engage being led by the Spirit. When we choose not to argue with someone, we are creating pathways for the Holy Spirit to move through. I mean, imagine somebody who maybe you're friends with that doesn't know the Lord. And you've been, you know, you've been friends with them for a while and you're trying to build a relationship with them. And then all of a sudden, one of those topics comes up. Something maybe you're really passionate about and you know that they disagree with you. You have a choice. Are you going to argue with that person over something that, in the grand scheme of things, isn't going to change their salvation? Or are you going to have patience and say, I'm not entering into that. I'm going to pause. And then I'm going to allow Jesus to do what he was supposed to do. Right? Well, I'm going to allow Jesus to enter in. I'm going to speak truth because speaking truth is important. But I'm not going to enter in and argue. I think it's, there's so many times in our life that we can say, you know what, before we go down this path, let's just agree to disagree that we disagree. And let's move on. Because conflict can be tough. It can be tough. Whether it's conflict with a family member, your spouse, sometimes the hardest conflict is with people that you have to spend time with. Conflict with maybe a sibling that you only see two or three times a year, that you know the next Christmas that you're going to see them is really awkward because you had this blow-up argument fight that you shouldn't have had. When we choose not to argue, we are opening ways for the Holy Spirit to move in that situation. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, it says, Abandon every display of selfishness. The flesh is very selfish. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let His mindset become your motivation. So tying it back to last week, we learned that in our relationships, we need to serve others. Paul is saying here, abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. So if you know somebody doesn't know Jesus... Don't go there. Not saying share Jesus, share Jesus with them. Don't go there in terms of arguments. Things that you could get into it with them about. Don't go there. Stand up for what you believe in, but do it in a way that shows love to that person. And that can be hard. That can be hard. 
When we're led by the Spirit, we will know when it's appropriate to engage in discussion, not arguments. Jesus did this often. He did it often. He didn't run from conflict. I want that to be clear. Jesus didn't run from conflict. But there were two very distinct reasons why Jesus would engage in conflict. The first was to put the enemy in his place, right? He would see somebody who's possessed by a demon. He'd say, I'm not going to have you be that way. Get out of here. The second, the second time was to put religiosity in its place. So if you, look in, if you look in the Gospels, in the documented times when Jesus would in, engage in conflict, oftentimes he wasn't walking up to that person saying, you're wrong. But he was putting himself in situations to serve others. Perfect example. Um, this, the story in, in, the, in the Bible where the man who was paralyzed for years is sitting by the pool. And he's been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there for years. And people walk past him almost like he's just a fixture. He's a part of the landscape. They, they don't even see him anymore. And Jesus walks up to this man and sees him. And they, there's, there's some dialogue and this, he says to Jesus, I, I can't get to the pool fast enough. Someone always beats me there. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't uh, cause disruption, but he just asks him a simple question. Do you want to be healed? He says, pick up your mat and let's walk out of here. And he does. The guy stands up, he's healed miraculously. And you know what the Pharisees saw? They didn't go, whoa, that's incredible. They said, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing? You can't work on the Sabbath. What are you doing? They couldn't even see the good in the situation. All they could see was their rules and regulations. They wanted to argue out of their flesh. They wanted to prove that Jesus was wrong for what he did. And they couldn't see the good. They couldn't see the good that happened in that situation. And oftentimes Jesus would, when they would question him about it, he would respond in a question. Right? He would say, well, is it better that this person not be healed than to break one of the rules to not work on the Sabbath? Another example these Jewish leaders are ready to stone a woman for something that she was doing that was highly inappropriate. And they, the, the Pharisees test him. Teacher, what should we do? He doesn't respond in an argumentative way. He doesn't start a debate with them over the law. He gets down and shows love to the person in question. But in doing so, challenges the authority of the Pharisees. I think one of the most common examples of Jesus 
I wouldn't say conflict, but maybe standing up for what he believed in is when he goes into the temple and he flips all the tables. We're all familiar with that story. That was sacred ground. You don't see Jesus get mad very often, but that is one time in the Bible that you can see that clearly he's upset about what is happening. Jesus wasn't afraid of conflict. It's how he handled the conflict. It's how he approached the situation. And it wasn't contradictory to the Spirit of God. He wasn't selfish. Jesus was always standing up for something that the Lord was doing, a miracle, or to help someone else. So he wasn't selfish. He wasn't doing it for his own gain so he could win. He was doing it to help others. He didn't always have to win. He did. He did always win, but he didn't always have to. He didn't always have to get in the final word. Oftentimes, Jesus would just walk away. He didn't, he didn't engage. He would say what he needed to say, and he would walk away. And lastly, he would draw others to him. Every time there was some sort of a conflict, it drew others to Jesus. It pointed, him, it pointed them back to the Father and the miraculous things that the Father could do. So what does that mean for us? And are there times in our life that conflict is okay? So I think first and foremost, we have to be led by the Spirit. So if you know you're going into an uncomfortable conversation, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance on how to navigate that. We talked about serving others last week and having Spirit-led relationships. You know, when you're leading people in whatever avenue, maybe that's at a job, um, maybe it's a, something you're volunteering, sometimes you have to have uncomfortable conversations. That's just a natural thing that you have to do. You know, I, in my job with Target, I've had to lead people from, you know, a team of two all the way up to a team of 80 people. And sometimes you have people that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And how do you approach those conversations? How do you do it in a way that isn't going to tear that other person down, isn't going to end in an argument, but also in a way that gets your points across? You have to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there as our helper. He is there to show us, to lead us, to guide us. And if we're not going to him before we have those moments in our life, we are not leveraging a tool that the Lord has given us to do. It'd be like going to build a house without a hammer. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. We would make sure that we have the necessary tools to handle every situation. So when we're going into those situations, we must be led by the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to summarize a little bit. Paul talks about when there's conflict in the church. And he talks about, and for those of you that remember when we studied this in Life Group, he talks about the difference between how Christians need to handle conflict and how the world handles conflict. And even in today's society, everyone, anytime there's a, a conflict, are you going to sue them? What's in it for you? Paul tells the church, if you have a conflict with another believer, take care of it privately. Take care of it privately in your church, but amongst you. And if you can't come to a resolution, take it to the larger church. 
Because why air your grievances in front of everyone else? We are supposed to be different in the church. We are supposed to be an example of how to live a life that is set apart. And when we don't do that, when we do things the way the world does them, what example are we setting for everyone else? So if you do have conflict with someone, take care of it privately. If you have a disagreement with somebody, don't go and talk to five other people about the disagreement that you have. Don't go and say, oh, I'm so mad at them. And then go to the next person, did you know what they did to me? That's not fruitful. That's not going to solve the problem. Again, that's about winning. That's about getting those people on your side so that way they go and tell their friends, did you hear what happened to them? Did you hear what they did to them? That's not fruitful. It's gossip. It's things that aren't going to help solve the problem. What you should do is go to that person and say, hey, when you did that, it really hurt my feelings. Or, hey, when you did that, it really caused this to happen in my life. Let's talk about it. I bet 99% of the time people don't even realize that they're doing something. But if you never bring it to them, if you never talk to them about it, if you just fester, maybe it's somebody that said something from the pulpit that you didn't agree with. I would hope that if there was something that I said that you're like, that was weird, that you would come and talk to me about it. I don't understand. Can you help me? Can, can you explain that more? Being led by the Spirit is being in tune with what the Holy Spirit needs you to do. But doing it in a way that is respectful and loving. Because there are certainly ways that even if you're doing it in a private manner that isn't respectful and loving, you start out throwing things, throwing darts about stuff that maybe are past hurts that you haven't dealt with. You start throwing those things out unfruitful. It's not right. It's not good. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32, it says, And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Graciously forgive one another in the depth of Christ's love. I want to ask you, are there things that people have done to you in the past that you're holding on to still? That make you go, ugh. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was 20 years ago. That you're just holding on to. And every time that person comes up, you go, ugh, that feeling graciously forgive one another in the depth of Christ's love. Conflict is okay in the right time, in the right place, 
And if you're coming to it with a heart of love and being led by the Spirit. Oftentimes we get trapped in our flesh. We get trapped in our stinking thinking. Where somebody says something or does something and we stay there. And we fester and we let it, let it just sit there. Instead of going, you know what, that's probably not what they meant. I'm going to move on. That's probably not what they meant. If we are supposed to be like Christ, how did Christ handle those situations? He did it in a way of love. He did it in a way of love. I want to start to close with this verse. And many of you know, the, know this passage of verse, but I want to really hone in on it. It says in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, it says, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure in all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Be quick to what? Listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Far too often it's the other way around. Be quick to speak and slow to listen. How many times have you done that? I know I have done this far too many times. Where you are quick to respond, but you didn't actually listen to what was said. You heard one thing and you were just so quick and thinking about how you were going to respond that you didn't even hear what the other person said. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. Be slow to become angry. That can be hard, but it's important to be slow to become angry. Don't allow your temper to rise. Just like Paul was saying in Philippians. Don't throw temper tantrums. Our flesh wants to throw a temper tantrum. Trust me, I have a four-year-old. We go to the candy aisle in a grocery store. His flesh wants a candy bar. He doesn't get a candy bar, he throws a tantrum. Thankfully, it's gotten a lot better. But we've all seen that. We all know, we've all experienced that. As adults, it's not much different. We just don't throw ourselves on the ground in the candy aisle when we don't get what we want. But we do it in a lot of different ways. We do it in ways where maybe it's at home. We're sitting on our couch. We're going, oh, I'm just so mad about what they said. Just so frustrated. Why would they say that? I want to go confront them. Again, I want to ask you, ask yourself this question. Is it fruitful? Am I going to gain anything out of this conversation? If your answer is no, then you probably shouldn't do it. But be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Focus on what He wants you to say, what He wants you to do. If we're living in constant communication with Him, there aren't going to be those times that we, <clears throat> excuse me, that we go, what are we supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I really want to do this. If you're in connection with the Holy Spirit, He is going to tell you when you need to address something. He is going to tell you when it's appropriate to address something. 
Because there are those times. There are those times. As Christians, we're not just supposed to lay over, be the puppy dog. It's not what, that's not what Jesus has called us. He's the lion and the lamb. He does both. He's gentle and loving, and he also knows when it's time to go to battle. But that doesn't mean every time we go to battle. That means at times when we are led, we go and we take a stand, what we need to, in a way that is respectful and loving. And there are other times when it's better to say nothing. It's better to walk away. It's better to take the high road. I'm very much preaching to myself, so uh, this, is, this, is, this is good. It's good to think about how, as Christians, we need to approach conflict. Because we don't often talk about how we should think about conflict or tough conversations. Uncomfortable conversations. Conversations that make us want to squirm or get out of them. I guarantee that if you're led by the Spirit, those conversations that used to make you go, ooh, might make you go a little less, ooh, and more like, you know what, I have confidence. Because it's not me that's approaching the situation. It's the Holy Spirit through me. When you have that confidence to approach those situations, knowing that the Holy Spirit is on your side, that He is going before you, that he has already fight, He's already fought those battles for you, that you don't need to go into it going, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to get through this? You go into it going, I'm ready. Because He is there with you. Might be uncomfortable still. It might make you go, I don't, I don't really want to do this. But when you're done, and the Holy Spirit's been on your side, you'll be surprised. I want to end with a story. Um, I had someone in my life that was going through some things. And I tried to approach it and give her my advice. I was going to tell her what she needed to do, and I was going to be right. And you know what she did? She ran as fast out of my house as she could because she was not ready to hear it. She didn't want to hear it. And I left being frustrated because I was under the impression that what I was going to say was going to go straight to her heart and she was going to do a 180 in that moment and it was going to be all good. It didn't happen that way. I was making a decision out of my flesh to be the one that solved the problem, to be the one that was right. Fast forward 18 months later and we're sitting on our couch and she starts sharing her heart with me and I feel the Holy Spirit say, Now's the time. So I literally almost had the exact same conversation, but she was receptive. She heard me. We were able to have dialogue. She walked away thinking. Again, something didn't happen that next day, but it didn't end in her storming out of my house, incredibly frustrated with me. So being led by the Spirit when you know you need to have those conversations is so critical. Because one will be fruitful, one won't. One will bring peace, one won't. One will draw people closer to Jesus, one won't. So 
when you have those situations, press the brakes a little bit. Stop. Think for a minute. Ask the Holy Spirit for discernment on how to move forward. And watch how he will drastically change how you approach those situations. Instead of being argumentative as your first thought, you're going to think, how do I bring peace to this situation? Again, it might be the exact same thing that you're going to say, but when you're led by the Spirit, it hits so much differently. Right? It's kind of like in, in songs, in music, if you've got somebody who's just learning how to play an instrument, maybe it's the drums. Keeping 4-4 four, four time is fairly straightforward. But once you start adding in other things, that person gets off very easily. doesn't sound right. Once they learn what it means to play music, they practice, they hear what it's supposed to sound like. Now, it comes out exactly how it should. It takes us spending time with the Holy Spirit to hear His voice, to know His voice, to be led in those situations. So I would encourage you, the next time you feel that way or you feel tempted to write a paragraph in Facebook responding to somebody, hit pause and evaluate the situation. The next time you're at a family gathering and you want to discuss political views with somebody who disagrees with you, hit pause. Again, there's nothing wrong with talking politics. I was a political science minor in college. I love politics. But there's a time and a place to discuss that stuff. So be led. Know when it's appropriate. Know when it's appropriate. 